The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to see, keep more of what you make on the web, clark.com. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes, today's Clark Rageous Moment is about you and me. Do you know that we generally greatly underestimate how long we're going to live? The implications with that are serious for you, your family, and your wallet. I want to address that in today's Clark Rage in just 20 minutes. And coming up in a half hour, I have an update on something that was a very popular thing we've talked about on the Clark Howard Show, and that is you being your own detective about having cancer. There are new developments that are going to make a lot of people safer, and I'm going to tell you how you take the information and use it properly for your own health and your own life, and that's coming up in 30 minutes. I want to talk right now about some trends going on with borrowing money. The number of people that are defaulting are going delinquent on car loans, credit cards. Are It's going way, way, way up. If you look at people who don't have the highest credit scores, the latest data from the Federal Reserve is that 6 million people are delinquent right now on their car loans of people who are at the lower end of the credit score spectrum. They don't give a number here about how many people with higher credit scores are delinquent, but 6 million car borrowers right now delinquent. That's not a good number. And with credit cards, the delinquencies have been rising, and they're up a meaningful amount, meaningful meaning that the numbers are climbing, and there's a greater possibility that the banks that issue credit cards are going to be writing off more credit card debt as uncollectible and repossessing more cars for loans that aren't paid. So different than last decade, when lenders let things get out of hand, lenders are tightening lending standards. After years where the pendulum swung, and particularly over the last five years, lending standards have become uh, easier and easier for you to qualify for a car loan or a credit card. Know that depending on the lender you go to, it may be more difficult or the interest rate may be higher. This is an early look-see into a change taking place in the banking system and financial markets. So if you are someone who is looking to get a credit card and your credit's, let's say, good but not outstanding, before it becomes the thing with lenders learning to say no, like they did for a long time, it would be a good idea for you to go ahead and apply for and get that credit card. The car loan thing is different. I've been spreading fear and gloom for the last two years about my fear and me being gloomy 
about where I felt we were headed with car loans, that people have been taking out extremely long car loans, and it's not at all unusual for someone to have a five, six, or seven-year car loan now. And the problem is you're pricing your life for perfection. You're stretching that loan to get a more affordable payment, being upside down in that loan for the entire time period you have the loan, meaning you always owe more on it than what the car is worth, and you have any kind of upset, reversal, unexpected circumstance financially, you're going to fall behind on the car loan. And so even more than I said before, if you are a payment buyer, you're basing what you're going to do with a car loan based on a monthly payment. If to get to that monthly payment, you take need to take out a loan longer than 42 months, you're buying more car than your wallet can afford. It's just a fact. And it may mean you buy a used car or an older used car or a less expensive new car. I think about the new car market, and when I say car, I mean could be a pickup truck, crossover vehicle, SUV, passenger car, minivan, whatever. I, all of them I'm calling cars. The average price that people are paying for a new one today is low to mid-30s, depending on how it's measured. And at the same time, there are a lot of vehicles for sale right now, very well equipped, very nice vehicles, that you can buy brand new in the upper teens. And I just want you to think about the difference and what it does to your finances. If you get something all tricked out, and spend a bunch of money on it and have to take out a big loan for a really long time with a big monthly payment versus shrinking the time that you borrow the money. Buying, again, a very nice vehicle, well-equipped, but keeping the price back in the teens, huge difference. The other thing is the average cost of a used vehicle is half the average cost of a new one. Half. So when you're looking at being stretched, please don't do it to yourself. That new car excitement wears off pretty quickly, but the loan goes on and on and on. Dorian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dorian. Hi, Cliff. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to try to understand something about what gives you your grade on how you're doing with credit. Is that right? Yeah. My my question was, you often talk about uh, keeping your uh, available credit below 30, but around 20%. And you you talk about credit cards all the time. My question was, uh, does that number also include lines of credit, uh, specifically home equity lines of credit? What a great question, and as a general rule, if you have a home equity line of credit with available credit, let's say of 50000 which is a very common number for a home equity mm-hmm. line of credit, the percent of that you're using would also factor because a home equity line of credit 
many times is looked at as a personal line of credit like a personal loan or a credit card. Right. So do personal loans also get affected into that, or is it just credit that's revolving like cards? Usually and, it's revolving, and, and a home equity line okay. is a form of revolving credit. So an installment right. loan like a car loan, um, mm-hmm. a mortgage loan would not be figured into the ratio for available credit. There's a clear correlation that the credit bureaus can demonstrate, and particularly FICO can demonstrate, that the percent of available credit someone's using of revolving credit is a direct indicator about when somebody is going to be a risky person to lend to. And so... It, the way they the way the math works, you pointed out the thirty percent thing that mm-hmm. someone who uses thirty percent of available credit is considered to be a low risk borrower. Somebody who uses ten percent of available credit is considered to be an extremely low risk borrower. Somebody who's likely never to be an issue with a default. On the other hand. Somebody who uses 50% of available credit is an extremely high risk of getting delinquent or defaulting on debt. Okay. Because it used to be that in the past, um, if you had a lot of available credit, it looked bad because they they assumed that if you got into trouble, you'd rack up uh, lots of debt. Right. So now it seems like it's gone in the other direction. Actually, it hasn't. And this is where it gets confusing, Dorian, is that... When you're talking to a mortgage lending underwriter, he or she hates the available credit because they're worried just like you said. So it's such a mixed message because qualifying for the best rate on a mortgage is partially a factor of you having extremely low utilization of your revolving credit like credit cards. And on the other hand, that gets you the rate from the mortgage lender, and then some underwriters will say, yeah, 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 but I'm nervous you're going to take that Visa card that you're using 4% of the available credit, and you're going to go crazy going out and buying stuff. Correct. So that's why it's, it is a confusing message. So my attitude and my advice is this. Live your life using as little of your available credit as you can. And if you get to the end of the line and it's time to close on a mortgage and the underwriter throws up a roadblock, at that time you may have to close a line of credit or two to get the mortgage through. But the principle of having a very low utilization is the right answer and the right thing to do. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, and you have a great day. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dave. Hello, Clark. So, Dave, you're paying off your home? Yes, in a couple of months, Clark. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow, that is the most wonderful feeling when... But, but Clark, it's really backwards when I share with you um, I have no retirement set up at all whatsoever. I didn't use any, I don't have a Roth IRA and also I'm in the middle of transitioning to a job. So I'm unemployed. 
no retirement, but my house would be paid off in two months, in a couple of months. And can I ask how old you are, Dave? 55. 55. So you got some work to do in front of you. Yes, I do, Clark. I need some, some help. I really do. And that's why I was asking, does it make sense to continue paying $1,581 a year in home insurance when I really feel I don't really need it? Okay, so there are different issues. So when your house is paid off, take your homeowner's insurance deductible as high as you can, whatever your insurer will allow. And that will have the potential of cutting your premiums by a meaningful amount and keep your home insured. Because the purpose of having it, especially when you own your home free and clear, is if you had a real catastrophic loss, you know, it burns to the ground or something, you want to know that insurance is there to rebuild it past that deductible. You don't want to take on the full risk of that after you've worked so hard to pay it off. I knew you were going to say that, Clark. <laughs> All right, but let's talk about let's talk about what you've got to do now at fifty five. You're going to be mortgage debt free. How much was your monthly mortgage payment? One thousand fifty. And how much of that one thousand fifty was taxes and insurance? I actually, have the information in front of me. One second, Clark. Okay. Uh, Three hundred thirty seven. Sound correct? Three thirty seven for taxes and insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's probably so it. So the reason I'm that asking that is that means you're going to have $700 a month that you can start putting towards retirement as soon as Correct. you are in a position to be employed again at your new job, you start throwing money into retirement. You're 55, so you're allowed to do $6,500 each year into a Roth IRA. Correct. And you want to do that, so the first 6500 of that, you would throw into a Roth. And then, are you single or married? I'll be getting married in, by the end of this year. Well, congratulations. So then your, your soon-to-be spouse can do a Roth as well. Mm-hmm. And even if she is not working, she can do what's known as a spousal Roth and put money into it. Okay. Is that 6500 also? Yes, it is if she's over 50. Okay. <clears throat> she is, correct. Yeah, so you can start building up meaningful <clears throat> savings right away. And have you seen I've got a simple step-by-step guide to setting up a Roth? It yes, cl- I have. I went out to that site. I almost did it, but I um, I got involved with something else. Uh, I have a nonprofit. I've been throwing a lot of money into clock. i got to stop it. Okay. My passion is taking away my finances. My well, you got, you got to build up or you'll be working forever. <clears throat> right. And you've done a great thing paying off that mortgage. Now it's time to build up your nest egg for your future so you don't have to work forever and a day. I just spoke with Dave, and we were talking about how he's 50 years old, 55, and he's just now starting to save for retirement. And there's something I want you to think about and – It's that when you are in your 50s or 60s, you've got a plan for a long, long, long time that you may be with us on this earth. Gus Sauter, who used to be the head of investments at Vanguard, did 
uh, some calculations and shared some information as well from the Social Security Administration. And what happens to a 50-year-old man or woman? How long are they likely to live? And this is looking instead at birth, looking from age 50. And a woman is likely to live to 92, a man to 89. The key thing I want you to think about is so many people are focused on bagging work often in their early 60s and expecting to live to maybe the same age that their mom or dad lived. But the reality is you have to be prepared to live very possibly into your 90s or beyond, which means I want you to consider working longer than you intended, at least part-time, so that you don't leave yourself later in life flat out broke. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com save. That's quickenloans.com S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com on the web. Clark.com slash ask to ask your questions and clarkdeals.com to find the deals the bargains so i have a serious discussion with you here you know the most common cancer in the united states are all the different forms of skin cancer and the truth is most of us put those on ignore and I was talking with a dermatologist about the problem of people ignoring the skin cancer risks they have, and he was telling me a story, and he started tearing up about a longtime friend who kept ignoring something that his wife kept telling him, you know, you need to have that checked out, you need to have it checked out, you need to have it checked out. By the time he did, men often stall, stall, stall on anything medical. He had a severe melanoma and died from it. It was too late in the game to save him. And his friend, this dermatologist, was telling me to remind people how important it is to check themselves out, have a partner or spouse check you out, check each other out. You see something that looks suspicious, an irregular mole or anything like that, you want to do something about it. Now, the reality, 
getting in to see a dermatologist for a check, for a skin cancer check, is not easy. The way reimbursements work, the whole economic system and and that side of the medical business is that a dermatologist loses money doing a skin cancer check on you because of how poor the reimbursements are from insurance. It's more money for them to see you than what they get from the insurance company. And that's why dermatologists all spend their time on cosmetic kind of dermatology now, because that's how they can keep the doors open to their practices. So there's this real problem where you may even be motivated to see one, and you can't get in there to see him or her, and time could be your enemy. Well, the great news, great news, is that there are things you can do yourself. And I've talked before about the app that you pay $40 to have a mole or a suspicious spot checked. And you take a picture with a smartphone, you send it to a dermatologist electronically, It works for iPhone and Android, and it's $40 to have a report back in 24 hours. Now, that's a lot better than waiting months to see someone. And now the University of Michigan has a project, a skin check project, that right now, unfortunately, only works for Apple which is a problem since 83% of people use Androids. But anyway, if you do use Apple, the UM Skin Skin Check app that you download in the iTunes store allows you for free to go through steps to be able to track and self-exam using your phone and... It is, it is not what you get with the first derm, where you're actually having it reviewed by a dermatologist, but it uses the intelligence it has to give you basically a risk analysis and how urgently you need to address it. And then on top of it all, how did they do this? Google developed an algorithm that is able to distinguish when there is something on you to determine with apparently near 100% certainty whether or not it is something that would be a carcinoma or a harmless, just ugly mole. And this algorithm is so apparently accurate according to what researchers at Stanford University found, that we are on the edge of having the ability for you, with an app on your phone, using Google's algorithm, to be able to determine with virtual certainty whether or not you have something that is cancerous that you need to address stat. Now, this also contrasts with a move by 
federal regulators that went after apps that were promising that they could do melanoma detection that turned out they were just fool's gold and couldn't do it. But we are at the point where science is going to make this a reality. In the meantime, if you want to just make sure as best you can things are okay for free, the UM Skin Check, again, UM Skin Check, University of Michigan. We can put this in our show notes, Rachel, and then we'll do that. And then if you want to actually pay and have a dermatologist check something out that's got you freaked for both iPhone and Android, First Derm is the name of the app. Stephen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. You're saving for a home. I am. Congratulations. Yeah, so my wife and I recently got married the end of last year. Well, then congratulations again. (laughs) Thank you. And so on our tax return, we got a little bit more back than we were expecting and wanting to start saving for a down payment probably 10 years from now. Oh, my goodness, you're an advanced planner. I have never had anybody ever call me about saving for a down payment on a house or to purchase a house who said it was something they were doing 10 years out. That's amazing. Yeah, we're trying to plan on ahead a little bit and avoid some of the PMI and other problems that come with little down payments. And so we're just wondering what is the best place to put our money in if we should just put in a Roth IRA and then uh, withdraw it when we need it? Or if Yeah, I mean, if you've got a 10-year window, that really changes the answer. And you are right that just continuing to make your deposits in your Roth IRA and the freedom you have to withdraw contributions a decade from now with no consequence in terms of penalty or tax would be a very intelligent strategy. And with a 10-year window, you can take more risk with the money than you would what would be really considered to be short-term risk but long-term smart than you could if you were doing something like um, like putting money in a savings account today, you're going to be lucky to earn a hair over 1%. Yeah. So, And the savings so would be taxed fund, each year. What type of fund would you recommend? Would you do a target retirement fund? or I would, do, I would do a balance fund like the Vanguard Star Fund. Okay. Perfect. If you look at the Star Fund... Requires a thousand dollar minimum to open, and then has a very diverse portfolio of what your money goes into. And you do stand the risk in the shorter term. You know, at some point we could have a correction. We will have a correction in the stock market, and you could think that I gave you the worst advice ever by telling you to put money at risk in investments. But again, we're talking a ten year period. And going into something like the Star Fund is a moderate risk choice to invest money and has extremely low costs for the management of it. And then what happens is, let's say 10 years from now, you um, are pulling money out for the down payment. You don't touch any of the earnings because if you pull out earnings, then you get hit with tax and penalties. So just the contributions. Right. And okay, we'll with the with the with contributions, that, 
it's a completely um, non-event as far as the IRS is concerned. And if you end up in a position a decade out, you're buying a home, and you don't need to touch as much money as you expected from the Roth, or maybe your circumstances change and you don't need to touch any of it, all the good, because you would have had already a 10-year period of growth of money for retirement that you're able to leave in there and let it continue to grow tax-free for retirement. Perfect. That's sound advice. Thank you for that. And it's like you're a throwback to an entirely different era in America. Nobody ever defers their wants like you're describing. So good for you. And again, congratulations, Stephen, on your recent marriage. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Hello. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you, Mike. How can I serve you? Well, I've got a situation where we are looking into some hearing aids, and it seems like they are so expensive, several thousands of dollars, even at my favorite warehouse club, where I know it's at least a reputable price. Are you, are you, when you say favorite warehouse club, are you talking about Sam's or Costco? That's correct. Which one? Uh, It would be Costco. Right. Now, Costco, in the recent Consumer Reports review of places to get hearing aids, got a fantastic score, virtually the top of the heap. There was one company I wasn't familiar with that dispenses hearing aids that got one point higher, which is almost insignificant in the Consumer Reports survey. And Costco has some very basic hearing aids that you may be able to buy at like $500 an ear. Okay. But you can do a lot cheaper than that and get a true real hearing aid. And that's what you'd like. You'd like a better deal, right? Well, what I'm what I'm starting to see is in either newspapers or magazines some other um, hearing aid type of companies, and I'm looking to find out if they're reputable or if there's any other recommendations that would be a little bit uh, better priced. Okay, so there's two things you'll see in the ads. One you'll see are ads that are very cleverly written that under the law, the devices are not considered to be hearing aids. They're referred to as PSAPs under the law. Personal Sound Amplification product, I think is what it stands for. And those are being very heavily promoted on the web and, as you mentioned, in newspaper ads. And people are selling those from anywhere like under $100 to typically capping out around $300. And then there are actual real hearing aids that require that you also have the services of an audiologist in order for you legally to be able to get them. Because a hearing aid is licensed by the FDA. A PSAP, you and I could go start our own Mike Clark PSAP company. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there is one that's kind of a step in between that I've mentioned, and I'd like you to look at the website. It's IHearMedical.com. I-H-E-A-R medical.com and they sell a hearing aid for 299 they also sell a fda approved uh, test kit where you can do your own actual fully 
um, FDA approved ear test for $49. Okay. Because the way the business works right now is a lot of places do the hearing test, quote unquote, for free. And then they make the massive markup on the hearing aids. Is to my knowledge, we're the only country on earth that uses this business model. Hmm. And so I hear medical gets around that by by you actually paying for the hearing test, and then you get the really inexpensive true hearing aid. Okay. So have you heard anything about them or any others that are reputable so we don't spend money on something that isn't worth a dollar? Okay, so the thing with hearing aids this is going to sound terrible. It doesn't matter if you spend $5,000 on hearing aids. The customer satisfaction with hearing aids is extremely low. So that's why I'd like you to start off with something much less expensive and see if you can find one you're happy with before you spend a zillion dollars. It's time for you to take over. It's Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com. Joel posts your question for you. And Joel, who you got? Clark got a, uh, first off, she wants to say thank you. Joe wrote in, says, I bought three ferns at Home Depot for $15 each, then went to Walmart where they were $9.97. I was mad at myself. I called Home Depot, as you've suggested before, and they told me to come back in with my receipt for a difference refund. Also, I used the website autoslash.com for a 10-day rental. I booked a compact car for $450. I've received four reductions, and now it's down to just $220 for a full-size car a month later. You've saved me over $255. Actually, you did the work for yourself. Auto Slash is a really interesting website that a lot of the car rental companies now have become hostile to, that you book a car rental in advance of your trip, and then it continually reshops and rebooks you every time there's a lower price on the car rental. Paul wrote in, he says, I've got a Chromebook that I use for everything, but I want to start using it just for banking, and I've heard you mention on many occasions, would it be okay to set it back to just the factory settings and use it for banking, or do you recommend that I have to purchase a brand new Chromebook in order to use it for that purpose? I would think it's absolutely fine to do factory reset and use it as your bill-paying computer. And the other thing that a techie called in and said was very important is that with a Chromebook used just for bill-pay, you should establish a second Gmail address that is only used for that computer because with a Chromebook, you set it up with the base of it being attached to a Gmail account and everything builds from that. So if it's your existing Gmail account, that computer could end up with problems just because it's tied into everything else you do So do factory reset, set up a new Gmail account, use that Gmail account only for that computer, and then, of course, you'll never read email or anything like that on that computer. It stays pure, just used for financial services like bill pay. 
So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertoni features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Rad, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So I spent a lot of my childhood in the hospital and hospital beds. Under 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL big game winner Martellus Bennett. Guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deal. And the list with Art of Charms, Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut. Next up, Sports Money with Mike Ozanian talking to team owners, athletes, and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind supreme athletic competition. Forbes on Podcast One. Not just entertaining, informative. Subscribe now at iTunes and don't forget to rate, review, and share. So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. When you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com. When you got a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up a half hour from now, I'm fatiguing from all the offers coming in my mailbox for credit cards. I want to tell you what looks to be the best bet for you when you're choosing a credit card, and I'm going to talk about that in just 30 minutes. I want to talk right now about something that I think is a fantastic development. I learned about this from a listener. You can help out organizations that are doing fundraising by having online auctions, and you can end up with potentially a great trip, free airline tickets, who knows what, and you help out the charity and you get the prize too. If you've ever been to charity balls, charity functions, there will be silent auctions, there will be live auctions, but this is the silent auction item. And so at auctions that they're holding at a charity ball, a charity event, a charity fundraiser, they're limited for the amount of money that they can get for the organization to the attendees that are at the event. And that narrows the potential pool of donors, the potential pool of bidders. So now there's a website called biddingforgood.com where charities post what people have donated And you choose, if it's something, you see something you really like, you think, I'd love that. And I I love that group. You know, I love that ballet or I love that that group working, you know, like American Heart Association or whatever it is. And I'd like to have that item. I'd like to help that group. Now, the money that you bid on something is only partially – tax deductible if the money you donate because it all depends on the value of the item that you bid on generally people that are bidding at biddingforgood.com are bidding on items where they're getting a real deal on it charity is still getting the proceeds but you're not going to get a deduction because the value of the of the goods or services that you won the bid on may exceed the value of your donations, and then you get no deduction, but you get the deal. 
I did something about 10 years ago. I was at an event, and there was a painting by an artist that my wife loves. I wouldn't know a good piece of art if it hit me over the head. But my wife, you know, she's into that sort of thing. And I saw the name of the artist. So I called my wife and I said, do you want me to bid on this? Nobody's bid on it. And so I bid the minimum and got it. And that item, I'm thinking about the dollars and cents. She's thinking about because she's not going to sell it anyway. But I ended up buying the item for today. The value of it is at least 15 times what I what I got as the minimum bid on it. The charity got that money. I got what turned out to be a steal of a deal, and I made my wife happy all at the same time. But again, I was in person. And with this website, you can look, divide it out by the type of stuff. Like for me, I immediately go to travel. And it's got a shop travel button. And you see everything that is up for charity auction right now for stay at a hotel or a beach trip or whatever. And again, many times you can help out an organization by giving them money on an auction item nobody else has really wanted or the price has been low on it. You know you're getting a deal. You bid on it. They get the money. And as best I can tell, this is completely a legitimate, honest, above-board kind of process at biddingforgood.com. And so if you want to steal a deal, well, maybe you can. So should I click on something from me or something from my wife? Here, something from my wife. A spa vacation. That would definitely be for her, not for me. And several of the deals here are a fraction of their supposed retail value. So who knows? Maybe so. Brian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Brian. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Brian. How can I serve you? Well, sometimes my wife and I would like to do sort of a last-minute getaway, and I always have a hard time finding reasonable tickets for, say, you know, a week or two weeks out. Is there any way that that's even possible? So the airlines have tried to cordon off their best airfares for purchases that are 21 days or further out. They don't have the 21-day advanced purchase requirement anymore, but what they do is they use a technology that basically goes under the overall name dynamic demand pricing, where the cheapest fares disappear roughly three weeks out. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep business travelers from getting any of the cheap seats, because most business travelers are booking travel much closer to departure. But those patterns are breaking down right now, and I'm going to tell you how to take advantage of them. Are you and your wife willing and interested in doing international travel? Oh, definitely. So for international travel, people tend to, for leisure travel, tend to plan much further out. They're not buying on impulse. And I have been seeing a steady stream of, 
of deals where seats are being dumped um, a couple days out, uh, less than a week out, and you'll find deals that are just phenomenal. Have you ever heard me talk about Kayak Explore? I have, yes. Have you tried that as a way to find those uh, needle in a haystack kind of things? I have once or twice, and at least one of the airlines that it shoots me to tends to have a very reasonable price one way, and then when I check way back, it's many times higher for that return trip ticket. Have you been using Google Flights at all? I haven't. I, I should be, I guess. Because no, uh, Go- if you go to google.com slash flights, it's the world's best airfare search engine. And okay. I use it. I What I do is on my computer, you know, because I'm obsessed with this stuff, I will use one tab I'll have open to google.com slash flights. The other tab I'll have open to kayak where i'm doing the fair matrix you can put up mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about where you do plus or minus three days on departure and return right and then the third one i'll have kayak explore up and i'll i'll see something on explore and then i'll go pop it in on google flights and on kayaks fair search with the with the matrix and it's tedious but you go back and forth, back and forth, and you keep trying till you find a combination that'll work. And are you familiar with Scott's Cheap Flights? No, I've never heard of that one. All right, so the guy's name is Scott Kyes, and he has this website called Scott's Cheap Flights, and he operates on a freemium business model where you can get a stripped-down email notification from him at no cost, or if you really get into it, you can subscribe to uh, fare updates, and he will hit you with these surprise fares that can be used immediately or used at different points in the future that are things that you you never find on your own. I just found that website, and that looks like something I'm definitely going to have to try. And I've talked to Scott. He is the nicest guy, and he uses a method of searching for fares that is, talk about tedious, it's tedious plus, but he just works it and works it and works it and finds these fantastic deals. In addition, for international, look at Turkish Air, if they serve a market near you, and look at um, Emirates, Etihad, and Qatar Airways. Because these airlines have added so much new service to the United States and have been offering fares internationally that are generally screaming deals. I love to hear that. I hope uh, we've made a trip of ours uh, come true soon. All right. Well, uh, again, be prepared when you see a deal. You just pounce on it and buy it and go. And I've I think about over the years, I've been to every continent except Antarctica, and I've been to so many places in the world I never would have seen if I picked a place first. I always pick the deal and then figure out why I'm going to the place the deal is at. Weird, huh? John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. 
Hey, Clark, thanks for taking my call. I've uh, learned a lot from you over the years. Well, thank you very much. You have something that's been pitched to you you want to run by me. Tell me. Absolutely. I've heard you talk about uh, long-term care insurance, but mostly the traditional type. And I was introduced to an insurance agent by my uh, state planning attorney who recommends a whole life policy that uh, has got uh, the ability to be used for a certain amount of long-term care insurance, up to 10 years at a certain amount for both me and my wife. It's a very smart move by the insurance industry. Because the long-term care market has mostly exploded because the number of people who've claimed long-term care has turned out to be far larger than the insurance actuaries expected. And so the big push in the insurance industry is what you heard the pitch for. What happens is you buy a long-term, you buy a whole life policy with a rider for what sometimes is referred to as a living benefit, where if you never need long-term care, you just have a death benefit that goes to the beneficiary designation and the policy. On the other hand, if you do need long-term care, the money that would have been paid out at death instead is paid for the benefit of care for a long-term care facility, care in your home, a nursing home, whatever, up to the limits that the policy calls for and you've purchased. So for the insurance industry, what it does is it caps their risk. And what it does for you is you have a premium certain that you pay and you know that that benefit up to that dollar amount will be there for you. Okay. Is that how it was explained to you? Yeah, very much so. I I guess what I question is I've always followed what I think is your philosophy to go with... uh, Term insurance. insurance, I'm well covered there, and I was wondering would I be paying too much for that to get a whole life policy that I don't need since I've got... Yes, and and we're dealing with a very broken system. So long-term care, there are a small number of companies that still sell it. I think I have five left on my long-term care information at Clark.com. And you don't know what will happen with the premiums if you buy one of those. So this buys you certainty. But what it does do is you're paying a great deal of uh, premium for that certainty. So are you someone who could, you might not like it, but you could afford the premiums if over the the years the long-term care premiums escalated? Yes, that's true. If that's your case... Go with traditional long-term care insurance and go with one of the mutual insurers that are on the list, like um, Northwestern Mutual, as an example, would be a better choice. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And David, you are the third person to ask me this question. So it's obviously an area of high interest. What are you thinking of doing as a real estate investor? Hi, Clark. Yeah, I was interested in getting into the peer-to-peer lending uh, in the real estate portion. So this is a higher risk, potentially higher reward kind of thing than doing, uh, let's say, Lending Club or Prosper. It is for someone who is wealthier because you're doing private real estate lending that is higher risk. Are you someone who? Okay, so you, 
Go ahead. So you actually think it's a higher risk than lending club, even though it's backed up by real estate? Yes, because the people that are coming to you are people who cannot get traditional financing, and you also have more fees involved with it. So I, okay, yeah. I think it's fine to do if you are somebody who is not risk-averse, you're willing to put what generally would be larger amounts of money at risk. Okay. Yeah, the company I was looking into, I think they mainly deal with uh, uh, folks that are looking to flip homes or buy and fix up and rent, so they're all fairly short uh, loans. Uh, right. They're, they're usually up to, to probably to one to two months. years, typically. Yeah, and some of them are even less than one year. So uh, there's probably going to be more fees that you're assessed because of the raw cost of establishing the the uh, properly drawn loan agreements. But if you are someone who doesn't mind risk, because if a loan goes south, it's more hassle involved with a real estate loan. But if you don't mind the risk, I think it's fine. Okay. Yeah, the uh, company I'm looking into, you can get in as low as a thousand dollars. I'm not. Con- I'm not concerned. You're, you're not going to make any money if you're just putting in a thousand dollars. You got to be putting significant money in for it to be worth the effort and the fees involved for you to be a real estate investor in this kind of way. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist: unicorns, dragons, mermaids. You name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar, they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact. TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the TrueCar certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. You want to follow me? Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I get so many solicitations for credit cards, and because of the profile I fit, I get one after another for airline mileage and hotel stay reward cards. And they are real crowd pleasers because people just love the fantasy they're going to be able to travel, go to exotic places, whatever. But for most people, the travel reward cards are a bad deal. Because for the travel reward cards to work for you, since you've got to pay usually with them 
a meaningful to high annual fee, you need to be charging a giant amount of money. Someone who, let's say, owns your own business, and as a result, you're able to run an enormous amount of your business expenses through on that reward card, and then you scarf all the points, all the miles, and you take yourself and your family or whatever on trips. Or you travel a lot for work, and you're loyal to one airline, and having their card gets you enough privileges when you fly on that airline that it's worth the giant annual fee. Or you're somebody who uh, has a lot of expenses for work that you reimburse for, and you can run those through on a mileage card, and it pays off for you. But generally, a mileage card from an airline only pays for somebody who mega charges. The general rule I have is a minimum charge volume per month of $5,000. That is a tiny sliver of the market. Very few people are ever in a category like that. And then on top of that, those cards only pay if you pay your balance in full every month. The reason is, is that the interest rates charged on those mileage reward cards and hotel stay cards, huge interest rates. So the whole value of the points is destroyed by the interest you're paying. Most people who pay balances in full and charge what most people charge, which is a relatively, compared to the numbers I'm talking about with the airline and hotel stay cards, charge a relatively small dollar volume per month or average a small dollar amount per month are much better served by a card that simply pays you cash back. Cash. Cash is king. And now you can get a card that pays you 2% cash back, which is tremendous. Everything you charge you get 2% cash back. There are cards that only do stuff like that in limited categories, but the City Double Cash card from Citibank, you want to see about it at city.com slash double cash, pays you effectively 2% cash back on everything you do. Fidelity Investments, the big stock brokerage firm, has a card that pays 2% cash back. In fact, Fidelity's been doing that for years. That's just a plain, simple, great deal. Costco members have a fantastic cashback card. You get 2% cashback for anything you buy in Costco or Costco.com. You get 3% cashback on all travel, all restaurants. And... I don't buy gasoline, so I'm not... I think it's 4% cash back on gasoline, I think is what it is. Sam's Club, if you live in a Sam's Club territory, Sam's has recently improved their Sam's Club MasterCard to make it somewhat more competitive with the Costco card, but they don't give you the 2% cash back for shopping in Sam's. But they give you 3% on restaurants, 3% on travel. 
So obviously, a combination of cards works best in the cashback space. But again, only if you pay your balance in full. Now, if you are a mega charger, though, there is a card that Chase has that has a giant annual fee that you can only get if you live near a branch of Chase. And you go into Chase, and you get their fancy-dancy card, and they rebate to you as you travel, and it's really only for people who travel a lot, a big chunk of the annual fee. And you can get, only if you apply in a Chase branch, can you get the huge mileage bonus they'll give you up front that by itself is worth the equivalent of $1,500 in the value of traveler merchandise you get for that initial reward bonus with the card. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. How are you today? I'm just great. I was listening to you. You amaze me all the time on the deals you come up with. On that last one that you mentioned about those charge cards, I think also it's relevant besides giving money towards the travel that they give their, uh, that you can use that card and they don't change for the currency because most cards, they offer a decent amount, like you mentioned, they charge you 3%. That is such a good point that I forget to mention for no, people. I saw that and I said, yeah. God, he's so efficient. He's got to realize, yeah, you may lose out paying for the card, but in the long run, if you charge, you gain, because say if you're overseas, you can get a airline to fly overseas somewhere cheaper than booking it from here. Mm-hmm. So therefore, but if you use a regular card, they're going to dock you 3%. That is a so. very good point. And I have uh, one travel card I have is a foreign card that I have so that when I travel to places that you have to have chip and pen. But right. I use it sparingly when I'm traveling because they charge me 3% to use it. It's a travel specialty card that I get from another country, and they still charge me the 3% ripoff fee. Hmm. So I only use it where I have to have that pen. And you're right. The advantage to using cards, like whenever I get these people calling me, I said, first of all, I don't revolve. So you tell me what you're going to do for me, and you got 30 seconds to do it, or I'm hanging up. (laughs) You're tough. Yeah. Hey, that I'm like I said, I'm just like you, except I don't have the radio show. (laughs) Everything plus what you've done. I even back in the old days when they said they were going to knock off two pennies on a stamp if you took advertisement, I was waiting for those stamps to come out. I so wanted to do that when they were offering that with the advertising. Right. Now, I, you probably got into it uh, that where they they had that uh, Ponzi scheme on cereal, and I was uh, some uh, one of those clubs, and I got in, and I thought, God, this is a good deal. So my favorite was was when Wendy's did a promotion with a uh, with an airline that doesn't exist anymore called Airtran. Yeah. And if you went and bought, I think it was 20 soft drinks. 
that you got a free one-way ticket. And so I was going and buying the soft drinks and saying, but I don't want any drink, just the cups. Yeah, I've and, done that. Yeah. I, I've done that. But now you mentioned about paying for some of these travel cards, but some of them give you two free tickets, so you're not really losing that money on the card. As long as you can it after that first year. And the reason I called you is, yes, I, I go in – when I want to buy a new car, since I'm in Indiana, I wait for the, towards the end of the month, the worst wind, snowy day, I walk in. I say, I want to buy a car. And I naturally get it on the storeroom. I spend three hours. In fact, I spent so much time with one. The guy offered me a job. <laughs> he says, you want to work for me? You're really good. Oh, I that's said, funny. Oh, when I went to Egypt, the same thing happened there. I I turned out it was a paradise. All you do is wheel and deal. I was in I was in heaven. I that is so funny. Skills. Yeah, I told the guy. I said I told the cab driver. I said, "Now look, I'm going to tell you an idea that's going to make you three million dollars if you'll drive for me for free from now on." And guess what? He, he did drive for you for free. He drove me for free, except I needed another cab because my group got so big because they saw how good I was at wheeling and dealing with these people. I said, no, no, this is, yeah, like I said, I, I, I told my wife, this guy could be my brother. So, so when I you buy a car, my skill. what do you yeah, do well, when you go I buy a car? I, 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 I go there, worst day on the planet, and I, and I figure out the lowest possible amount, and then I go lower then. And this guy said, I can't do it. I says, you can, or I'm going to leave. Because I'm not playing. And then I, so once I make the deal, I put uh, 2000 against my credit card, which rebates. Because that's the max you can do. And then I tell him, look, I'm going to do payments. And then I pay the car off in six months or nine months, whatever it is. Because if you, they get a percentage if they get you to revolve. So I thought, well, maybe I'll ask Clark. Maybe there's some way I can do it because I, I, I got the printout. We uh, channel uh, uh, TTW here, uh, a public service channel. They used to say, if you send some money, we'll tell you how much the car costs. Well, oh, you don't have to do any of that anymore. No, so, no, no. That was before. All right, I got a website I want you to go to and know about that you can go in and do what you normally do, but go in armed already with what you learn at TrueCar.com. TrueCar.com, you can build the car you're interested in, and then, Jim, once you've done that, you'll have the price that TrueCar guarantees you. Well, they don't. It's, it's really the price you end up paying at a dealer, and there are participating dealers, and so you know already what the best price is true car can get you and then you go into different dealers for that brand on your own already with that in your hip pocket and when they say oh we can't go any lower you say i already have this price i didn't have to do anything but click three buttons on my computer and got this price if i'm going to sit here in your place you can do better but a lot of people just simply buy a car through true car and don't have to worry about any negotiation and they've done very well doing that, Jim. I think it's the 
easiest way for you to buy a car with no hassle. You don't mind the hassle, so you get the true car information and then go to town at the dealer. Heather's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Heather, I understand you're getting married. Congratulations. I am. Thank you so much. How can I be of service to you? Well, uh, this is my second marriage, but it has been quite some time since the first one. And so being a late-in-life bride here, uh, it's going to be quite a hassle to change my name, but I'm committed to going ahead and doing all of that. Now, I got an email solicitation saying, here is a discount on a package to help you change your name, and I'm wondering if it's worth it to try to do something like that, and if it's not, if you've got any tips on how to go about doing that for a fully established adult. All right, so the thing in that area, if you go on the web and you look at the name change services for brides... A lot of them are scams that are just trying to get your personal information, and then they can engage in identity theft. Many of them will say they'll do all that stuff for you for free. Run away from anything like that. And if you do go to a service to do name change, there are two in particular that are considered to be completely legit and don't charge that much money to do all the name changing for you. One of them is the big wedding chain, David's Bridal. And the other is... where my solicitation... Oh, is that who solicited yeah. you? Mm-hmm. And the other one is... Do you know the website, thenot.com? K-N-O-T, the I not. do. So they have one called hip, uh, Hitch, Hitch Switch. Say that three times. Hitch Switch. And it, it and the David David's Bridal service are both very legit. How much is the one from David's Bridal? They've got two options, and so it's a $30 or $70 service, and they're offering you a $10 discount if you sign up from the email that they send. And the one from Hitch Switch is similar. I think it goes up maybe the high end's a little higher, but not a lot. And so I think that's a perfectly legit way to do it. But um, this is an area I'm so glad you asked me about this. You never want to use some UFO site to do the name change. And And do you think that it's better to go through one of these services or or to try to do it yourself? I know you start at the Social Security office. Yeah, this is completely a convenience question. And I'd say if you're doing it for convenience, go with a higher level one for either of those sites because they do more of the work for you. Okay. That's really good to know. I appreciate that. And I never thought about the identity theft side of it. I was just thinking of how much work it was going to be to get all of this switched over. Think about that. You know, you try to save work and they create a big hassle for you with identity theft. And again, Heather, congratulations on your upcoming festivities. Sam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Sam, you have a thought to do something that is really smart. What are you thinking of doing? Well, I would like to. um, I have an uh, RV that sits idle. 90% 90% of the time. And there are some, some ways to rent it out through uh, another party, a, a third-party company, and they'll kind of line up the, the, the potential renters, and then you have a chance to interview them and uh, decide if you want to uh, rent to them or not. Uh, I think this is a great idea, because RVs sit most of the time, you know, most RVs are used uh, something like less than 2% of the year. Yeah. Some number like that I saw. 
And so using one of the services where you rent it out, the the insurer who insures your RV hates that I'm saying this and says all these things can go wrong. So the one thing you got to make sure with any of the services that will handle a rental for you, how do they handle liability issues for you? And whoever you have it insured with may not cover you for the damage to your RV if it isn't a wreck. So you, you've got to make sure you are fully insured for both those things, the liability and the damage to it. And as long as you are, Sam, that's a smart thing to do. Thank you. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Hey guys, David Smalley here, reminding you to check out Dogma Debate on the Podcast One app, iTunes, and basically everywhere else you could possibly hear a podcast. Dogma Debate is basically a way for you to peek in on conversations you've always wondered about. Say a hardcore anti-gay preacher meets an atheist who knows the Bible like the back of his hand, or a far-left social justice warrior meets a different kind of liberal who doesn't want to join in on the riots. On Dogma Debate, I talk to people who completely disagree with me, and I let them tell me why they think I'm wrong, why I should be on their team, and why they take such an extreme stance. And sometimes you'll just hear me hanging out with like-minded people and laughing during segments like Republicans Say the Darndest Things or Fact Check Yo Mama. It all happens on Dogma Debate, right here on Podcast One. Every small business wants to find their customer base. Now your customers can find you, too, when you create a website on WordPress.com. You see, WordPress has hundreds of customized themes just to get you started. You just pick a template, and then you can make it your own. Plus, they have 24-7 support when you need it, so you can get back to business. Come see why more websites run on WordPress than any other platform. Go to WordPress.com slash podcasts, and you'll get 15% off your website today. That's WordPress.com slash podcast. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now, as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.